Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Rivers gives to Strolls angling left. Got Hand room. 15, 10, 5, 15. jackpot! Play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha ha Touchdown, Antonio Gates. 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that people would have figured it out. I just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Let's go! We are back. Score More Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti. At Score More Pod is the Twitter account. Thanks for sticking with me, Score Morons. Appreciate you all. And I'll be doing more of these podcasts as the season is almost upon us. But since it's the off season, we're just going to do some questions. I went on Twitter, asked some people for some questions. A couple people sent some in. Some people sent me football related questions. Some people just sent me general questions, which I love. We'll just answer some questions on the podcast. It won't be long, and there won't be a ton of talk about the Chargers. Nothing really to talk about. Training camp is coming up. Doing a bunch of stuff over at Lightning Round Podcast. You can catch those if you want to catch some previews of training camp. But here, we're just going to bullshit, man. It's the off season. What are you going to do? Follow NBA free agency? Yeah, me too. It's awesome. It's the best free agency period. Even if it's not the best sport, it's the best free agency period. Baseball, you have to wait months for anybody to sign. Football, guys sign. But man, there's so many trades, so many players going different directions. It's awesome, man. NBA free agency is the best. 
Best sport to watch live? Hockey. You probably didn't expect that from me, did you? There's nothing better than catching a live hockey game. But anyway, we got a bunch of questions here today. I'm going to answer some questions, and then we'll just be done with it. So stick with me. We got some football questions and some other ones. Uh, first one's from Anthony. He asks, during the season, you and the crew do weak predictions during the season on YouTube like you used to? Uh, I guess that's a question. I don't know what you're talking about with YouTube. And are you sure you got the right podcast? Yes, I do predictions every time at the end of every Score More podcast. I was 14-2 and two last year. Thank you. And I will be doing it at the end of this year's podcast too, so everything will stay the same. Uh, you and the crew, if that means just me, then yes, because I am the writer, producer, editor, talent, poster. I do it all here. I'm the one-man crew. So you and your crew is Garrett, me, myself, and I, if that's what you mean. Yes. So yes, I'll be doing predictions for this podcast when the season rolls around, and I'm sure I'll do one for preseason maybe. I don't know. That might be a little bit too much, but I'll definitely do them during the season. You'll have your predictions. Next question is from Joseph. How did you learn to watch, break down, and evaluate film? Did it start through the draft or through the Chargers or something else? Well, it started when I started watching football, and it just gradually took off from there. In high school, I liked the inner workings of football more than I did like playing football. So I was always more interested in why things happened and how things happened than being on the field and seeing it happen. But then it became a general curiosity. So then I started to go to training camps while I was in high school. I mean, even when I was a kid. But it started to hit when I was in college. I started to go to the Chargers training camps at Chargers Park in San Diego. And to see the drills go on, I was really interested on what that was about. And I just read everything I could. I read books. I went online, read articles. And then shortly after, I would go to practices. So I would team up with a person I knew that coached a youth football team. And at that point, I was going to college, so I didn't have time to really delegate four to five times a week to go to that practice. But um, he was nice enough to let me go and be a volunteer and just donate my time to the kids if they needed any help doing anything. And just to go there and watch it work and just to learn, that's kind of how it started. So then I started looking at football through a different lens. And then I started looking at draft and college and everything else. And everything just started to pile up. And even today, I'm still learning. I mean, I don't know everything. And I think anybody that kind of goes into it going, hey, man, this is what makes a great football player. This is what makes a bad football player. And this is how to do it. And this is how not to do it. I think those guys are fools. Those guys and girls that think that way are too narrow-minded to be evaluators. And people at professional levels lose their jobs. They get to the highest level. They get to the NFL and they swing and miss on a guy like Ryan Leaf or, you know, or Jamarcus Russell or something, you know? Things happen. There is no formula. Yes, there is a dynasty with the Patriots, and Bill Belichick is one of the best, if not the greatest, to ever do it in terms of evaluating talent and building a roster and coaching a team. Not everybody's Bill Belichick. So even if it is like going to a kid's football team, I, that's not beneath me. That wasn't something that I felt like, oh, that's not worth my time. And it wasn't something that I was going to get paid to do. It was just something that I was interested in. So I went and did it. So I would 
suggest if anybody ever wanted to do that, go in and learn how it works. You can obviously read blogs and read books, check out articles and do all that stuff. But I think once you get in and kind of learn the inner workings of it on a field with kids or men or whatever level you want on how it works and how it translates, it gives you a little bit better understanding of what you're looking at. So that's kind of how it worked out for me. So then ever since then, you know, I I don't have the time to go out and see those kids anymore or uh, my friend, the friend that I had that was coaching football um, is no longer living in this area. He got a job out of the state. So uh, it's great for him, but I, I can't visit a team, though that's something I'm interested in. Uh, I'm just not doing it now. So I'm just reading as much as I can. And I really try to pick up stuff that I feel like I'm not very good at. I feel like in the breakdowns for the draft, I've struggled nailing down offensive linemen. I think that's a weak part of my evaluation when I'm talking. And again, you know, I'm I'm not a professional evaluator, but I'm just saying in terms of getting better and somebody that enjoys this and is a hobby and somebody who's getting paid to do these podcasts, which comes with evaluations of these college prospects with the draft and through the website, somebody that wants to do better and put out good content, I want to be a better evaluator. So... I don't think I'm very good at evaluating offensive linemen, and I don't think my track record's been very good with offensive linemen, you know? I was never a big fan of Cam Robinson. I thought Ronnie Stanley was terrible. There are all these offensive—I thought Lael Collins was going to be an awesome offensive lineman. I was enamored with Laramie Tunsil, and, you know, the jury's still out on all those guys, but it seems like Ronnie Stanley and Cam Robinson have been pretty damn good. There's also been some centers like Pat Elfline was a guy I liked and now he's being moved to another position. And so I don't feel like I've been very good at picking good linemen versus bad linemen. And everybody has their hits and misses, but I just think personally, if I'm evaluating myself, I want to learn more about offensive linemen. So I went out and followed a bunch more offensive linemen evaluators on Twitter. And so I kind of read as much articles as I could before this past draft process. And I just tried to soak it all up. So that's how I've kind of learned and how I'm still learning. I don't think you ever completely learn, and I don't think any coach that says they have learned everything or they've been through it all is being truthful, to be honest with you. I think, you know, even Belichick is talking about how every year is different and he's always constantly learning. And if that guy is still learning to this day, being one of the best to ever do it, then who the hell is anybody else, you know? So that's how I kind of learned to watch it and break it down and evaluate it. I got my hands on some real-life experience on the field, whether it was kids and not a professional level, that's fine. But, you know, just getting down the fundamentals was great. And then uh, going on and getting what I learned and picking up on all the other things and trying to learn more play-calling lingo and pass sets and defensive sets, just constantly learning. Just keep learning if you want to keep doing it. That's, That's my two cents on it. Okay, next question is from Derek. He asks, who's going to win the CB2 role, Trevor Williams or Michael Davis? Well, if you've seen the articles, you've seen that Trevor Williams swaggers back, and he is the guy he was two years ago, according to Chargers.com and some of the coaching staff, and to somebody I spoke with, the same thing. So I think Trevor Williams will win that job. I think Michael Davis came on strong towards the end of the year, and they rode with him till the playoffs, and he held up nicely. 
I think there are some ball skill issues still. And I think he's still a little rough around the edges. And I think when you look at the year that Trevor Williams had two years ago, it's hard not to have a top 15 cornerback as your CB2 if he's fully healthy. Then again, it all depends on who wins in camp. And I think that guy is going to be Trevor Williams. So I say CB2, Trevor Williams heading into week one. He's comfortable with the system. He was banged up all last year. And if the confidence is back, look out. So I say Trevor Williams is CB2. I think Michael Davis gets rotated in a lot this year. He's going to be a big-time special teams contributor because he was very good on special teams last year. So Michael Davis may not be the starter, but he's definitely going to get some minutes, and he's going to be a heavy special teams contributor. All right, moving on to the other stuff that isn't football. This is from Jason. Is it just me, or is punk music making a spectacular comeback? I know Sisti is big on hip-hop, but also music in general. So any thoughts on the wealth of rock, metal, and punk bands crushing it lately? Any artists you want to shout out? Well, of course, this is a big deal to me because I love music. It is my job. I'm in, let's say, the music business. And for those of you that have followed along, I played music most of my life. I still play music, but I played music live in bands. And I was in a punk band for most of my life, through high school, through my college years. I was in a touring band that was punk. I've also been in metal bands. So it's not that I'm big on hip-hop. It's just when people have asked me about current music, there's a lot of good hip-hop albums out. So, you know, I'm I'm naming those guys. And it's not that I'm particularly heavy on hip-hop. It's just that there just happens to be a lot of good hip-hop out there. There's a lot of bad hip-hop, too, but... There just seems to be a lot of hip-hop out there and a lot more exposure to it. I know, Jason, you say that I'm big on hip-hop, but I'm big on everything, to be honest with you, because I have to do this from 9 to 5. So um, I'm listening to all different music genres and not a person that goes, oh, I listen to everything. It's like, oh, what do you listen to? Oh, I love Miley Cyrus and Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift. It's like, okay, so you're into pop? Like, what? You're not into everything. Stop saying you're into everything. You just list three pop artists. Stupid. So, no, I, I am a person that is into everything uh, in my daily life and in my work life. So I'm exposed to a lot of music, and I get to, luckily, be exposed to a lot of good music. And I find a lot of good music that I love, that I listen to, and I take home with me. So the thoughts of punk making a spectacular comeback. Now, punk is an interesting concept because... The music you're hearing now is more indie rock and garage rock than it would be punk. Um, If you're talking about the resurgence of like the 90s, 2000s rock, opposed to the big 70s punk era, you know, I don't know if we're there yet. You know, they just had to close down Warp Tour because there isn't punk bands anymore, you know? And that whole thing has kind of gone downhill anyway, and it's kind of meshed the lines a little bit too. It used to be just punk, and then there's a little pop punk mixed in there and some other headliners too but now it's kind of screamo pop punk there's some edm in there too now a little bit of metal you know there's there's a lot of different things so um and i and again when i'm when i'm talking about the music that i've done in my past it's not that i'm you know trying to brag that i was in a band and that uh you know i was able to tour off of it and everything just that punk is in my blood and i did it for a very long time and uh, it's something i listen to a lot and so when you say it's making a comeback, I- I'm not sure we're there yet. I think rock is still in a state of dormancy. Is that a word? It's laying dormant right now. And as much as I would love to say punk is back, I'm not sure it's back. I think 
music goes in cycles. I think punk will be back. I wouldn't necessarily say punk is back. I think we all hoped it would be because punk really thrives when there's political strife. When there's political turmoil, you see a lot of punk bands kind of bubble to the surface. When Reagan was in office, was a big influx in punk. When George W. Bush took office, there was all those Rock Against Bush albums and a big punk movement. You thought maybe with the current political climate there'd be more punk bands, but I wouldn't say punk is back. So, yes, there's been some good rock. Um, you're, uh, you're always going to see rock bands. I think there's always a need for seeing a live band. Whether that, you know, with a drummer, bassist, guitarist, you always want to see live instruments playing. People will always want that. So I don't think rock will ever go away like the way of jazz has. But I wouldn't say it's back. I don't think it's a a spectacular comeback. I think metal has always stayed where it's at. It's always kind of been a little bit underground. It went a little popular in the 90s, 2000s. I think it's dipped a little bit now, but I still think it's great. And metal's still doing very good things. I think punk is dormant, but I think the garage rock scene is awesome. So in terms of shout-outs, I saw a band on the 19th in San Diego called Pup. Really good garage punk band. I think they're from Canada. Uh, really, really good band. Like them a lot. Uh, just saw them live. They're awesome live, too. And, which is kind of good timing. So Stranger Things 3 comes out July 4th, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. The kid who plays Mike, Mike Wheeler, he plays a younger version of the Pup Band in two different music videos. So in the Pup's music videos, Finn Wolfhard, I know he's from Canada. I'm, I'm almost positive they're Canadian. They are. I, I, they are. So they found Finn Wolfhard to play the lead singer, which is a play on Pup as their younger selves. And Finn plays the lead singer in two of the videos. If you go, you can go look them on YouTube. But Finn, they found other kids around his age who are musicians that play instruments. And when they were playing in these music videos or jamming, those kids all got together and joined a band, which is Calpurnia, which is that band that Finn Wolfhard's leading. And, you know, they recently opened for Tenacious D and Weird Al Yankovic. So... They're going out there. They're playing music, but they met on the set while filming that music video for Pup. And Stranger Things comes out July 4th, like they were a sponsor or something. They come out July 4th. It all ties together. So, Jason, love your question. You know, it's a lot easier to be a rapper or to be a DJ and do EDM and just produce your own music by yourself and not have to go on the road and perfect your craft like a lot of these bands have to, not that, you know, all EDM and rap artists don't do that, but I'm just saying to put four personalities in a van together, traveling around, having to deal with all that is a little bit tougher than if I can produce beats by myself and go put on a goofy hat like Marshmallow or Dead Mouse or Daft Punk. I can still keep my anonymity and do EDM without having band members? Forget it. So that's much easier, obviously. So I would say that uh, punk isn't quite there yet. But hey, send me bands that you think are pretty good. I'll listen to them for sure. And let me know what the spectacular comeback is and which bands. And we're talking about new bands, right? Because not, not that, you know, Blink-182 is coming back with uh, the singer from Alkaline Trio. Does that count? 
without Tom, I you know, I don't know. Would you even consider them punk? I wouldn't. I mean, I was I was a kid. My favorite band is the Ramones, and I was a gutter punk, and I listened to a lot of hardcore, and I would say Blink-182 is not. In fact, as a teenager, I had a license plate frame on my first ever truck that I drove that said, Friends, don't let friends listen to Blink-182, because I was that punk rock. So, I, I don't know. Jason, anyway, send me some bands. Who are these guys that are coming back? Love to hear them. All right, this next question is from Timmy, and he says, Which Bolts from the Blue contributor has the hottest takes? Now, I know everybody wants me to say Kyle Posey, but he's no longer with Bolts from the Blue. Okay? He's doing a Niner blog somewhere, doing his own thing. He's moved on. For everybody that writes for Bolts from the Blue, I feel like there's a very realistic approach to our writing and our analysis. For most of them, the person with the hottest take has got to be, and if you haven't heard his name, I'm, he's been with the blog for a long time, but it's Ruben Gonzalez. And I'll tell you why. Ruben has sunny optimism. Most of us at Bolts from the Blue do not. So when he comes in here and he joins our Slack and says, hey man, Hunter Henry's going to lead the NFL in touchdown passes. First of all, in touchdown passes, that'd be crazy. Hunter Henry's going to lead the league in touchdown passes? How about touchdown receptions? Yeah, no, no, that would be crazy. That is quite a, that is a, speaking of hot takes, that's a hot take. God damn. Hunter Henry's going to throw for the most touchdown. Anyway, if he comes in and says, Hunter Henry's going to catch the most touchdown passes among tight ends in the NFL, most of us are probably going, yeah, maybe. And maybe one of us goes, if he stays healthy for 16 games, which might be a fair assessment. But, Ruben's always the optimist. So for us, a Bulls from the Blue, he's probably the one who's got the hottest takes. There you go, Timmy. And speaking of which, I recently went to the San Diego County Fair with a bunch of friends. And for whatever reason, we started talking about the new adaptation to Lion King. You know, the new live action movie. It's got Beyonce and Seth Rogen and John Oliver and a bunch of other people. Is it a hot take that all the live-action Disney movies are terrible? Because that's my take, and nobody agrees with me. Everybody said I was full of shit. You're telling me you'd rather watch the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie than the actual Beauty and the Beast movie? No. You'd rather watch the Jungle Book adaptation than the actual Jungle Book? No, dude. No. I haven't seen Lion King. I will end up seeing all these movies. Aladdin was fine. Wasn't better than the original. I think they should stop wasting their time on all these remakes and make actual original movies, but that's not a hot take because we all want to see new stuff, you know? We don't want to see all these movies remade all the time, but still, people love these adaptations, especially the live adaptations. I could give a shit less. I'm definitely waiting for Lion King to come on Netflix. I'm not watching it live in a movie theater because I've been burned too many times with these live action movies. And I don't think that's that hot of a take, but other people do. Are they any good? They're not good. The answer is no, they're not good. But does anybody out there disagree with me? Because I had a lot of people disagree with me this weekend, which is bullshit. But anyway, 
Thank you for the question, Timmy. Okay, next up. This question's from David. It says, give me a dumb thought you think about often that makes you laugh, like fat chance, slim chance. So I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Long time ago, I made a tweet saying, no, it wasn't that long ago. It was within the year. Sometime during the offseason. I said, how could fat chance and slim chance mean the same exact thing? Fat chance and slim chance. So anyway, a dumb thought that makes you think about often that makes you laugh. I've got one. I often think about, and I don't know if this is funny to anybody else, but it's funny to me, but, you know, as a person who watches sports, I mean, obviously you're listening to a sports podcast that's talking about nothing right now, just mindless dribble. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. And what would you expect from score more? Um, and that's why you guys are score morons. Cause you guys stick with me. Um, uh, what I think about often in sports is, you know, uh, guys or girls slap each other on the butt when things go right, or they're trying to be encouraging. And I often think about the first person who ever slapped another person on the butt as in a terms of endearment, you know, or encouragement or motivation, what that person was thinking. Now, I know there's this hacky joke about like, oh, what was the first person who discovered milk? What were they doing? Like they were under the udder, like milking a cow. Like, oh, you guys got to try this. This is good. Like, okay, okay, yeah, great. Great joke that's been used a million times. People are still using it. But also back in those days when they discovered milk, they knew cow was a source of food. So they'd also check to see if it produced food from its udders, from the liquid. That just seems like a normal progression of things. Now, I'm not a historian, but I don't think that's all that weird. I mean, when you really think about it, yes, it's a little weird. But also, it was desperate times. They needed to get food. They found that milk had nutrients in it. Uh, it was nutritious. I, You know, I don't know. They found that they could drink it. They're just trying to survive. You'd probably do weird things, too, if you had to survive. You know how many post-apocalyptic movies there are? Weird things you got to do in the zombie apocalypse or just the apocalypse in general. You got to do weird stuff. Your life's on the line and the world is bleak. So that's not that weird. So anyway, so the first person who's like, oh man, great job and slaps the other guy on the butt. Like what was the guy who got his butt slapped thinking? Because that must have been a very weird, weird exchange. And that makes me think. You know, like even a high five, like what, why would you hit my hand? You know, like what, what was the first person who had those things happen? What were they thinking? Anyway, that just makes me think like, I don't, I don't care. It's not that big of a deal when guys do it. And I played sports obviously and happened to me and I'm sure I've slapped a guy's butt or two in sports. That's just part of the sports culture, I guess. But I don't know. It's just weird to think about. And I, sometimes I laugh thinking about like, what, what was that guy thinking when he got his butt slapped? Like, what was that? I don't know. You did a good job. Yeah, but why'd you hit my butt? Anyway, uh, that makes me giggle. And that's funny to me and nobody else. That's a very inside question, David. But thank you. I like where your mind's at. Weird questions are fun. Hey, what do you think? Who's going to be the CB2? Okay, great. I like weird questions. Okay, last one. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The last question comes from Ray. I'm into FPS. That's first-person shooters, if you guys didn't know. I'm into first-person shooters, especially war games. What is the FPS GOAT? I play five to seven hours a day, so don't fuck around, sisty. First of all, Ray, a little aggressive. Okay, if you're going to ask your question, just ask it. I prefer nicely, but this seems very confrontational. And now I'm off to a bad start with you. Okay, Ray? I'm not a guy that fucks around, okay? Especially not with first-person shooters. So to answer your question, what's the FPS GOAT? The answer is simple. It is Goldeneye. Now... Before you turn the podcast off, and you wouldn't turn it off because you're a score moron and you listen to off-season podcasts with me, so you wouldn't turn this off. It is Goldeneye, okay? It was a phenomenon. It was one of the most influential first-person shooters ever. And it was the game that finally decided, hey, man, you can do first-person shooters on a console. It could work. It set the groundwork for all these war games or all these Call of Duty games you're playing, Ray. And you're going, hey, man, listen, you're just going off of nostalgia. And let me tell you something. No, the fuck I'm not. I plugged in my N64 just the other day and I played GoldenEye. And are the graphics terrible? Yes. But is the game still fun as shit? Yes. Is that because of nostalgia? Maybe. No, it was really good. It was really, really good. The multiplayer mode is amazing. Golden Gun, I'm hit or miss on. I love it, and I also hate it. So I'm on the fence about it. You could talk me into either one, but you, one thing you can't talk me into, being odd job. Because if you ever have a friend that's ever going to be odd job, they can go fuck yourselves, and they're not a real friend. If a kid comes into my house wanting to play as odd job, I'm kicking him right the fuck out. And this is coming from a grown adult. I'm not letting a kid play his odd job. Okay? Don't let kids do that. Not that they're playing Goldeneye right now. But when they go, you know what? I want to get in on some of those older consoles. Let's grab an N64 controller. How do you even hold this thing? Okay, got it. Now, let's play Goldeneye. Go, sure. Be anybody. Anybody you want. Except odd job. Okay? But most importantly, Ray, as a man that doesn't fuck around, I have to tell you, I want to thank you for your service. For a man that plays first-person shooters, especially war games, for five to seven hours a day, I honor you. I respect you. While there are real men and women laying their lives down on the line, you're playing first-person shooters for five to seven hours. You're drinking bang energy drinks. You are eating your sour gummy worms for America. And for that, Ray, not only from everybody here at the podcast, which is me, and everybody listening, we thank you for your video game service. 
You've really gone to war here, fighting these imaginary people, playing as characters. Some say you're wasting your life. You're not being productive. And maybe your mom wants you to get a real job. But you know what? Ray, you say fuck that noise. I'm a patriot. I play video games for five to seven hours a day. And I don't fuck around. So, Ray, thank you for your service. That'll do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate all you score morons for tuning in to this off-season edition of the Score More podcast with Garrett Sisti. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. If you guys have questions, because I'm probably going to be doing this a lot before training camp starts, got any questions, send them in. If it's a bullshit question, I'll probably read it anyway. So send me your questions at Score More Pod. I'm also at Garrett Sisti. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. And going into the season, let's just hope the Chargers score more on Sundays.